Welcome back to the Dealership Fix-It Podcast. Just want to say thanks to everybody that's coming back and checking this out. Um, obviously, we exist here to, to get dealers tapped into new and exciting ideas to help move their business forward and make more happen. Today, I've got with me Jacob Berry, who some of you may know him, uh, formerly a pretty uh, a pretty good mover and some a guy with some information you're going to want to tap into uh, from uh, formerly from Ride Now, the group of stores you all know what that is. Jacob, thanks for jumping on the Dealership Fix-It Podcast. Yeah, thanks, Brian. Happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Absolutely, By the way, that man. was that was my idea to push Brian into the Zoom, the world of video here for the podcast. <laughs> hey, uh, you know, I, I'm an old man, but I try to think that I, I can think forward on technology, or at least I used to. Uh, I, I need the push, so thank you. Appreciate that. Uh, everybody can blame me if it goes horribly <laughs> wrong. How about that? <laughs> well, I guess you know it's like anything else. We we uh, the content we consume now. If somebody's out there listening to this on a podcast only, because that's what I've done, and now they're going to say. Oh, maybe, maybe I'll check out that video. Let's see if that's any good. There you, go. There you uh, we'll, go. We'll give them options and maybe this will be a new thing. So you and I met here just recently. Um, uh, we know some of the same folks in the business, as is a lot of times in this business, pretty small. Uh, but I'd love if you would give the Dealership Fix-It audience a little bit of background into where you came from, uh, you know, what you're up to now, that sort of thing. Uh, I'll let you do that. Yeah, thank you. So yeah, it's it's amazing that just now we're meeting each other when really we ran in all the same circles um, and just may have missed each other by missed association somehow. So it's it's crazy not we're just now talking. But um, yeah, so my name's Jacob. I'm 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 formerly the uh, director of marketing sales for Ride Now Power Sports now as Rumble On, and uh, you know my tenure there, I, I did a lot of really great, amazing things. You know, we, we started everything from contact centers, call centers, they might also be known, to building a full-on digital presence that is awesome with lead generation. Uh, we managed millions of dollars worth of spend, put lots of hand raisers out there on great looking inventory, and just really got a hold of this void of power sports marketing uh, that was just missing for a very long time. That uh, you know, other industries like automotive seem to have figured it out, um, and then we just really worked hard on on doing the same for power sports and just really getting the promotion out there in a structured way, uh, so that customers can find and ultimately buy our products and improve their lives. Yeah, it's you know the psychology of it really should be very easy, but as we know, we work in a in a space where there's business blended with a high level of enthusiasm. So sometimes. Know a lot of the particulars that are easily picked up on by businesses. Uh, I think they're delayed with with the enthusiasm uh, sort of taking the lead. So this should be really good stuff to chat about. Your um, your and my conversation about this. Of course, I solicited you. I came selling to you about. Uh, would you like to talk about this on a podcast? Um, you post quite a bit on LinkedIn. That's where I saw the post that I had messaged over to you. And I don't have the title up here, but I do have, you know, sort of, I printed it off like a, like a 90 year old guy would do. Um, I've got here, um, basically stay in the game, you know, head of, uh, uh, stay ahead of the game in today's digital uh, age. 
Um, you got some bullet points. You had seven bullet points on there. Um, there's a few that really stood out to me, but that's what I was asking you uh, if you'd come on and, and sort of we can pick some of these apart wherever you want to go. But uh, where where did that uh, that write up come from? Did something happen that that made you motivated to write that up, or is it just the sort of content you know that the viewers need? Yeah, I mean it's it's a pretty simple answer. Um, the, the now that I'm not working with with Rumble on and Ride now exclusively, you know, I kind of had my my horse blinders on and. You know, I was always interested in working on that side and making it just, you know, as good as it could be, always perfecting our, our processes and the things that we did online, right? But I'm not doing that anymore. And so I've kind of come into this open power sports space and I'm talking to just a ton of different dealer operators, uh, managers, salespeople, and we're coming to find that you know, not a lot of guys are hitting these fundamentals, if you will, right? A lot of them are just kind of throwing things at the wall, seeing how it would stick. And so I thought, you know what, let, let me just share some of the expertise that I've had, uh, you know, the benefit of, of gaining over the years um, and just kind of put it into a format that says, hey, here's somewhere to get started on this topic, right? Here's six or seven ways that you can do this effectively, right? And it's just kind of starting with the simple stuff, obviously putting it out there for free. I, I, I don't charge for any of this stuff. And just trying to help these maybe mom and pop shops or these single or double stores, you know, within a little mini group of power sports locations, just kind of be a little bit better at the online sales game. Well, it's, um, you know, I don't know if I, that you're totally spot on with, I could say what, my approach, you know, was, has been to just bring lots of good conversations to dealers as a way to say, hey, you know, this is the audience and the, and, the, and the people I like to be around and I hope to help and having, you know, access to giving out the morsels for, uh, I think, when, when people are ready to, uh, to absorb them, because not everybody's ready to hear every message or, or act on it, right, at any given time. So putting them out there, format like, you know, like this or potentially like you're going to do, puts it in a way where we can review back on this and month, six months, or a year. Although some of the details, you know, um, AI technology might eliminate all of us from existence, but, uh, you know, otherwise we, this should be referred back to uh, good human content. Totally. Um, totally. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I remember one day uh, just kind of starting out in the sales business. I didn't really have very many people to help me out. As I'm sure most salespeople do, it's kind of a sink or swim kind of business in the dealership life. Right. But I remember vividly um, in my first maybe month, month and a half, that uh, this is when I was doing internet sales for a dealership. The many, many moons ago, a sales manager came in and he kind of takes the stack of paper, right? And he just throws it down on my desk and he starts and he says, start calling. And I said, well, well, uh, who are these people? It says, doesn't matter. Just get them in. Just, just start calling. And I said, well, what am I going to say? It uh, doesn't matter. Just just start calling. I'll take care of them when they get in, right? And so, I, I from that point forward, in this long dealership career that I had, uh, I always kind of told myself I would never do that, and I would take the time to to help, to explain, to maybe show people some of the process. I'm not going to do it for you. Maybe maybe I'll do it for you on the first time, but I, I really want the people to become educated about some of these things that. Uh, I was lucky enough to learn and implement in my day-to-day -day within the dealership life. So that that's really all it's about. What do you think in a way to, to share some of this um, with the audience here? Um, obviously, you know, if they're on, and I'll, and I'll share, I'll probably share a link to your link post in the show notes there so we can click over and read the entire thing. Uh, but 
you know, of these seven things, I'll tell you a couple of mine, uh, and they're all solid, solid points, but a couple that really jumped out at me and they've been the things I've been really passionate about. Um, and, and my career choices have proven that out, that those are the things that I think are important and I value dealers need to hear. One uh, is the number five of seven. Okay. Um, and you've got in there high quality pictures and descriptions of vehicle are very important, online competitiveness and four, right? So um, let's maybe pick that one apart first. Again, this is for me, this is a, a very high priority one for me. You're, you're going out of order here, right? You want to go with number five I, first? I, I am. I think um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm impatient. I'm an impatient, very nervous type. So I like to go for what I want because you never know what tomorrow will, will be there, right? It's a good way to look at it. Let's let's do it, man. So yeah, number five. Um, now this this article that that Brian's talking about here, this is more or less uh, a, a seven step easy guide just to have a little bit better, um, I guess, presence online with what your dealership sells the most of, which is your major unit inventory, right? And so there, there's a couple different ways to go about that, but what he's talking about number five here is high quality pictures and descriptions. I'm just going to read it for you first, then we can dive into it. But high quality pictures and descriptions of your vehicle are also important for online competitiveness. A professional set of pictures of each vehicle will help attract customers and increase the vehicle click-through rate. Some of these guys call it CTR, right? Um, with the same year, make and model. Uh, you'd click on that one and they'd have real pictures versus the stock photo. So would those potential buyers, right? So uh, I kind of skipped a line there, but... Um, Basically, what I'm saying here, Brian, is that you know a lot of dealers rely on their website providers' uh, stock photos, or maybe they're only getting one or two photos. But typically, what you'll find is that uh, the bikes are dirty, right? It's a bad angle, it's bad lighting, and just in today's world of just this constant uh, competition for customers' eyes, that when you have someone in funnel meaning they've already kind of made a decision. They want to buy a product that you sell. They want to uh, learn a little bit more about it and they want to see what is available out there in the marketplace. It basically comes down to who's the most attractive with their inventory, right? Um, case in point, I did a study uh, a while back that uh, customers are eight times more likely to fill out a form or make a call if you have just these few things, good pictures, a description. Uh, obviously, the year, make, and model has to be right, but a price as well, right? It, it's kind of crazy that if you just add these things and do a little bit better on your overall inventory, you'll get a higher click-through rate. Is, is this kind of what you've experienced with your years in CycleTrader? Yeah, and and. And I think about it from that perspective a lot because I spent a bunch of years having what I felt like was a lot of the similar conversations. I get the hang up. I get the difficulty for dealers with fast moving inventory in, out, unit comes in, unit goes out. And in the, in the zone we've been in with, with the COVID stuff, minimal inventory very quickly through. There's no such thing as aged. It all went out. It was pre-sold before it came in. I can't do photos. I, I get all that. I love to play a bit of a you know devil's advocate and because I can see all sides of, of the deal. But I think about how sort of fleeting the time and engagement can be from an inbound consumer. And if we're talking websites, right? If, if 
none of this makes any difference, right? If the person's just going straight to the dealership, how likely is that, right? At this point, they're right. They're gathering content. Oh, I think I want a, you know, Indian pursuit. You know, I'm going to get this bike. You know, well, what did they do? What did they do for homework? Did they just arrive at the dealership? I'd say unlikely, right? Mm-hmm. They they've ended up there. But at the point that they've gathered some content and some and and sort of uh, looked for red flags, that's a fit for me. All these different things, and by the time they get to the point, like we're talking about, to a dealership, that is the seller, the the, the seller point for that brand in their market or wherever. By the time they land there, you know they're not looking. They are looking for, I would say, engaging content to stick on the site to to know I'm in the right place for what I came what I came for and what I was imagining. This is the right place. They land there, right? And and there's no, there's no photos. There's factory photos. Yep. Um, there's mi- minimal photos. There's the description somehow. The, in the call for price. You know, all oh. of these little little pieces of the equation are the way dealers can say, and, and they can lean on that and say, that's just the best I can do right now. I want to do better. I just can't do that yet. But know that the likelihood of somebody just bamoosing you know right off of your site to somewhere else because what actual value have you brought where reading this to me it's like yes do your homework on your photos do some photos do something your own content in store don't have to have a photo booth if you choose to do that and have a plan for that so that's sort of my initial um you know it's not like i'm on a soapbox but it's definitely something i'm passionate about because i got to see for so many years a dealer with a KX450. Okay, I got a KX450 and I have 10 of them. I'm a cow yep. dealer. I'm a big dealer, right? Got 10 of them in stock. Well, I have one photographed and all the rest all hit the system the same day. They all hit the website the same day. One's photographed, nine or not. Which ones perform the best and why? The right. no brainer, when you look at those numbers, it's like I would always say the rule of tenfold seems to play here. It's at least tenfold impressions and tenfold click better and, and obviously i'll let you i won't i won't bogart the whole time but that's sort of my <laughs> soapbox on that um and, and you've got it laid out here you know perfectly well I, I get it you know it's it's one of these it's one of these decisions an operator has to make on whether he's going to assign this job which is you know managing the inventory and obviously merchandising the inventory because right you got to put it online price picture description if it's used you got to have mileage um but you know if you can't give it to someone who's like a lot tech, or even when I was doing all of the phone sales, I did all my own inventory. And, you know, we had a thousand units in inventory at one of these stores uh, until I could show that it worked that, Hey, this is important. Mr. Mr. Operator, Mr. General Manager, we probably need to hire a body to do this full time, uh, you know, increase the quality of it. Maybe they do a little editing, maybe a little bit of a background, something like that for some branding. But I mean, regardless, it, it, it's, it's important enough that you got to do it and kind of have, you know, a, a person to do it at the dealership if you don't have anybody else to do it and you can't do it, right? You got to make the time for it. Yes. And, and in automotive circles, as you probably know, automotive dealerships don't necessarily have someone on site that is an employee. They have lot of service providers in some cases that they pay an outside entity to come in and that's what they do. They take good quality uh, content photos and, and, and videos or depending on what it is. Mm-hmm. So, you know, obviously that's a realm that I've got a, a bit of experience in, but, um, you know, that's an area where, again, I think about the different levels of scale. If, if I'm selling KX450s, 
right? I can skimp by with all oh, the factory photos are not bad. They're, they're cool. They're studio photos. They're decent quality. Yeah, but everybody has the same photo. You haven't even necessarily implicated that you really have it in stock. They don't see a real photo on the real floor of that dealership. They don't have that level of uh, sort of belief that it's even there yet because we all heard the stories. We all know how it goes. Somebody reaches out. I'm calling about this. Oh, we don't have that, but I can order it for you. Right? We don't want to go there. But Totally. Uh, if uh, I was also going to say uh, with the different sort of realms, if we're talking RVs, what's the likelihood an RV dealer has factory photos only? Unlikely, right? Unlikely. Yeah. They, there's so many different configurations those RVs have. Yep. And they, and they know that that's the expectations by consumers. And at a higher price point, they've made the decision to put a priority on that. Um, like I say, not, this is not to beat up on power sports guys. That's where my heart is. That's where I, where I ever came from working. And that's where I really do this to try to help. It's just, uh, this is the, this is the uh, reiteration of an important point. Um, unless, unless you had something else to add on that one, uh, do you want to add anything else to that one or go on to another? Yeah. I mean, let me, let me, let me just kind of explain it this way. Right. Um, if you think about it from a super high level, where do, where does the customer journey start? Right. They're typically talking to their friends or they're seeing, uh, you know, through like user generated content, UGC, we're calling it now, right. They're seeing somebody ride. They want to be like them, right. Whatever it is, they get attracted to it, whether they're a first time rider or whether they're a 10th time rider, it doesn't really matter. Right. But once they start this journey of looking, think about how much an average dealership's effort goes into just grabbing their attention from Google search or social media, right. Uh, and then what, where's the next step after that, right? They, they go to your website because that's the obvious place on where any consumer would want to go when they're going down this funnel of the, their buying process, right? Um, so they pour all these effort into SEO. They, they spend all this money on SEM, right? That's the search engine marketing. They're paying money to Google to advertise keywords that you would likely type in your computer, like, you know, Polaris Razor for sale, Harley Street Glide for sale, uh, or in your case, uh, you know, uh, you know, RV, I don't, I'm not familiar with all the brands, but like Keystone RV for sale, you know, 24 foot or something like that. They go to your website and they're looking around website looks probably pretty decent, right? A lot of flashy doodads and gizmos flashing across the screen, also grabbing your attention. But ultimately, why are they there? They're there to see the inventory in stock, right? Now, think about how much of a bummer of that journey is if you've done all this work, you know, SEM, SEO, website maintenance, maybe even you had social media or you've had an email newsletter, all these all these gateways that you put out there that customers can come in to see your merchandise and they're met with a stock photo or they're met with a coming soon banner uh, and it doesn't have a price. And if it's used, there's no mileage. I mean, just think about how much of a bummer that is for that, for that customer. What do you think the next thing that they're going to do? Oh, let me get, uh, you know, let me fill out this form or make a call to see if they can send me something. No. I mean, nobody's going to be that patient. They're just going to move along to the next dealership that is putting that effort in and they are putting their merchandise out there in a way that makes it attractive enough to do what? Take the next step. And that's ultimately what we're talking about is a form of lead generation on your inventory to get them to engage with the dealership and start that conversation about, okay, I saw you that you have this online, right? What's your experience yeah. been with that? I think you're spot on. And it's funny because, you know, I'm not... I, 
sort of trained in, in marketing or advertising. But, you know, when you hear the different stories, the reason a company does things like they'll do a, a commercial campaign, you know, and these different things, they spend a whole lot of money and then they'll say, okay, dealership, uh, here's, here's the POP you need to have, you know, at your parts counter, the little deal needs to be this, or you're going to have a little stand or you're going to have a window cling. Why do they do all those things? Right. That what this is how it was always phrased to me by people that are professionals in that space would be you do those things so that it removes the question marks. Am I in the right place for the right for the thing? Right. I'm in I'm I'm interested in this thing. You arrive, you know, we arrive at a place that's not, you know, we know we're gonna be sold to, so we're on defensive, you know. Totally. Um but all those things being married together as best as possible, or some of them at least falling into place at the right time take away those question marks. Am I in the right place for this thing? You show mm. up, bam, there's that same look. And I think the same thing applies again with this, you know, we're beating number five to death because I chose to start there. But to me, it's so important. And when those pieces are there, I think about my journey as a buyer for multiple things that are motorcycle. And then I, I just apply it there and think this needs to be done at a better level. How do I help a dealer to, to see that and how do I help a dealer to be able to do that right so well I have an answer for that and and clearly as we're discussing number five here it, it's it's I should have put that as number one right so thank you for <laughs> only in my opinion <laughs> I, it's a valid opinion Brian I mean that's kind of where you start right for all the things that we just discussed so maybe let's talk about number four which should probably be the next one after the high quality pictures right so it's 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 more or less an it's an idea at this point, right? I, I know I have to do this, right? But I've got, you know, 200 units on my floor. Uh, I've got 500 units. Or if you're a bigger shop, you've got, you know, 800 to 1,000 different vehicles. We're talking like everything, right? Not just not just motorcycles, but you got ATVs, you got side-by-sides, you got scooters. Maybe you sell some off-brands of, you know, some some electric bikes or, you know, you've got watercraft, maybe you're a trailer dealer as well, or, you know, RV, it doesn't really matter. I mean, this is, this is your bread and butter. These are your products that you got to sell. So really it's an idea and, and maybe you've kind of done it. Maybe you kind of haven't, uh, you know, in terms of effort and getting multiple pictures, I always like to say, get 10 to 12 pictures of every single used vehicle. Uh, it doesn't matter if you have like multiples of those, They're, every used vehicle is all unique, but you know, you brought up the example with the KX450 earlier, right? You 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 got your order in from Kawasaki. Uh, the, the forklift guy brings them off of the flatbed truck and puts them in your warehouse or the back of your dealership, wherever you may keep them. And you only really build one, right? And and that's fine. Get one really great set of pictures of that one brand new 2023. And you can apply those to all 10 of your orders in stock, right? And you just kind of move down the model list as you build them out. But number four is kind of what I wanted to bring up. And I'll just read that for you. A strong focus on competitiveness with your inventory online. As inventories levels start to rise again, we are seeing that, right? Uh, demand is still you know, pretty high, but uh, you know, the, the inventory is starting to catch up with uh, the lack there was. And in, in when they shut down the factory a couple of years ago, that kind of put a hiccup. But I think that everybody's starting to pump out all these models again and ship them to dealers. But as inventory levels start to rise, it's crucial to price your vehicles accordingly uh, to the market data and the intelligence. Um, there's a bunch of tools out for that. 
you know, a couple that we that you and I have worked with in the past, right? Uh, and and mm-hmm. maybe have helped yep. build. But that's that's kind of what dealers need to do because as this inventory starts to rise, unfortunately, it's a race to the bottom with some of these guys, right? They're sitting on you know twenty. Uh, you know, Can-Am Maverick X, X, XRSs, XDSs. And they're like, man, these things are starting to get 90 days old, 130 days old. Damn, I'm at 200 days on some of this inventory. I need to start pricing it aggressively or maybe start ratcheting down the asking price. As long as the map, the minimum advertised price policy will, will allow you, right? you know, to stay competitive in a large metro area, say like Phoenix or Dallas or Houston, you know, you got to know what your competitors are doing um, because they typically have a tool to help them with this. What's your experience with that? Well, yeah. And I kind of start to laugh because I think about the way previously um, I would talk to dealers and if, if pricing came up, I'd be like, well, how do you do that? Because that's obviously, you know, the different roles I've had, I wasn't involved with necessarily other than, you know, helping with Michael at Moto Hunt, and, and you know this this program, but before something like that existed, I'd talk to dealers and they'd say, yeah, we just do lots of searches on places like Cycle Trader. Like a dealer literally sits there and keys in KX450 near me, 100 mile radius, 200 mile, whatever they look at. And they're, they're taking notes. I mean, this this is how they did it. It's wow. sort of the art and the art and science that, and, and this wasn't uncommon. I would hear lots of searches were performed and I would laugh and say, great, making our search numbers look wonderful. Yeah. We're, we're lots of sure, but they're not real buyers. It was a little silly, but um, that was the way that dealers would say and they'd get a gauge on. <laughs> but, you know, can you imagine doing that at scale? It's impossible to do it on every unit in every sort of market that you might play in, you know, two or three markets that are close enough proximity to, you know, your heat map would show you had good activity or good sales in. Yep. So, yeah, it's crucial to have some tools in your tool chest that make efficiency, uh, you know, kind of kind of the, the most important tool, right? If, if you can't hire a person to just sit there and data entry all day long, uh, you know, my, my KX450, we'll just keep using that as an example. Mm-hmm. I've got, I've got 10 of these things. Um, you know, I, I know my flooring costs. Uh, I know my age of the inventory. Cause that's like every inventory manager or general managers, you know, number one thing when it comes to inventory is like, what am I into these things? Uh, what's my, what's my allocation that I'm getting? I might hit my sales targets. Uh, and then what are the, what's the interest that I'm paying on these things month in and month out as they sit on my floor or worse in your warehouse and collect dust while they're sitting in a box. Right. So, you know, it's, it, it, it becomes a matter of what can you do, um, besides just having a person sit in a chair to look up all these searches on cycle trader or just Google search, or even just go to your competitor's website and say, oh man, they they adjusted their KX450 down five bucks. So I'm going to adjust mine down 10 bucks, which has happened in the past with a couple of my general managers that I used to talk to, right? I'm like, you know, your numbers are all over the place, man. They, they keep changing almost like every single day this week. What's going on? Oh, well, this dealer that I'm trying to hit my sales goals, they keep pricing theirs down lower than mine. And again, it becomes a race to a bottom, right? Which is unfortunate, but that's reality. There's a so, funny meme that, and not not that I ever goes well to have a conversation about a meme when I have <laughs> to show, but there was this funny meme that I saw the other day, and, and it's the one that I've seen in the past. I feel like a variation of it, and it's got the two guys sitting at a little old school market setting. One has a sign for 
whatever. I think it was like in India or somewhere, whatever, wherever the place was or the, or the denomination of money was, but they're like selling a fruit or vegetable. They've each got a little stack of the same ones and it says, you know, whatever the, uh, the type of money in the monetary system is there. It's like one says 40, one says 50. Right? And then the guy realizes that, oh, I, I should lower mine to 30. And then of course he starts selling more of them. And then they decide, you no, know, the one guy pays the other guy for all his and marks it up to 60 or whatever. Right. So the idea that at a, you know, at a small level, someone I think can manage that and do it pretty easily. And I think you have started instituting different tools or technology to be able to do it. Like I say, the dealer, we rarely have a dealer that has, you know, a few widgets they sell, right? You know, you've got multi-line, very common now. At scale with different models, makes, categories, all these different things that in your given market, um, you definitely have to, you have to put some thought behind it or, you know, kind of like you're saying, not everybody even has an individual. The sales manager is just supposed to be desking deals. Yep. Is trying to look all these up. Is that the best use of his time? I, I don't think so. Absolutely but, not. Um, I was also going to say that we, uh, I just came back from a trip to the Seattle market. I'm down here in Portland, Oregon area. And um, I went up to Seattle last week and I stopped in, I don't know, maybe 10 dealerships, some being power sports, some being RV. And I won't name names or, or, or sort of lay out who, where the issues were, but I can tell you that multiple times and talking to somebody in the sales office where the board's behind them and talking about things, the conversation about agent inventory has come up and, uh, mm. and that, you know, they're not in a good place already. And like the shock that we had no idea that we were almost there and here we are. Um, so if, you know, dealers are listening to this today and we're, you know, the beginning of February 20 of 2023, if you're not in that position, congratulations, but be aware there are dealers who are, who are headed into that pretty quickly. It sounds like. Totally. A lot, a lot of people did a lot of buying of used bikes and probably put a little bit too much into them. And maybe they didn't know maybe how the rest of the market panned out or maybe how saturated it might've been. Uh, and you know that that goes again, just having the data available to you to kind of see where one particular bike that you want to acquire for your inventory and to obviously sell higher, you, you probably don't have that at your fingertips. Um, you know, but there are some tools out there, and and that's kind of my point is saying, you know, utilize utilize these tools. Um, there, there's only a few of them out there that help you kind of manage your inventory against everybody else's. Um, but it's kind of one of those things that you need to be on it every single day if you're going to be successful in this business. I just hate to say it. aged inventory is the biggest killer of any smaller dealership if they don't have someone dedicated to it because time keeps going on whether you want it or not. And if that bike doesn't sell, all of a sudden, you know, it's it's having a birthday. You know, it hits that 365 days in your DMS counter there and says, you know, this is probably going to need a discount or write down, or worse yet, let's just cut our losses and send this thing to the auction, right? Wholesale. Time it, time it waits for no one. I guess it's aged units are the same deal, right? That, that right there is the quote of the day. <laughs> <laughs> um, what, uh, you know, do you want to talk about the other, my other favorite one, or do you feel like, and I'm thinking, you know, we're, we've been chatting about 30 minutes. This might be something where we do this as a, two-parter i'm just kind of talking off the cuff but um i'm in no hurry to finish this up i think uh i've been told by enough dealers that they they like it to be under an hour and certainly we're well under that now 
But well, um, yes, definitely. what do you think on jumping into some of these? You wanna you wanna make this a two parter? Do some a part two to this and do the rest. But we we definitely can go into a couple more of these. And I and I do like my number seven. But any one of these that you sort of you feel like you wanna delve into, I, I like all these points you made. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah. So we'll, we'll buzz through a quick of these. And yeah, I agree. Definitely a, a podcast under an hour, preferably like 30 to 45 minutes is about all I can handle. I, I kind of <laughs> listen to some of these. I, I've, I've become very big into listening to podcasts um, lately, you know, the, definitely the last year, a lot of self-help, a lot of coaching, a lot of uh, news related ones, right? And different perspectives. I love it. So, um, but yeah, so you know, under an hour, uh, maybe 30 minutes, maybe 45 minutes. You got my attention after that. I'm, I'm checked out and you've already lost me. Right. So we'll keep it short and sweet, uh, as much as we can, we're, but we're not gonna, not gonna pull some Joe Rogan numbers, right. The three hours plus, I, 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 I think that'd be a lot of fun if we had something to thrash out for that long, but I, I think that that's a marathon. And I, other than I can make it through one of those in a few days, I sure can't do one sitting. Well, Joe Rogan and I may share the same haircut, but certainly not the same kind of pull <laughs> on a podcast. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. So let's buzz through a couple of these. So let's just, yes. I know we skipped to number five and number four, but we'll, we'll go with number one, right? So, so obviously yeah. this is a big one. Build a strong online presence with a professional user-friendly website that showcases your dealership's location, inventory pricing, and financing options. A website that's easy to navigate and provides all the necessary information can help attract and retain customers. Additionally, include a live chat feature to provide quick and efficient customer service. So let me let me break that down, right? Uh, I, I think by now, 2023, everybody knows they need a website, but what are they what are they doing to maybe contract a good website provider or someone that has a reputable uh, you know, build out and and good support system, and that just makes it user friendly to get everything on the website that you need, right? Um, certainly, there's there's a couple in this space that uh, we've we've all dealt with, right? And they do pretty good, but it takes it takes the dealership to put in their information on that website to make it usable, right? You you can't just buy a website, pay your monthly fee, and send a few support tickets, and you kind of have to participate in this too. And, and one of the best analogies I could use um, for any operator or any person within the dealership is you want to treat your website like your online showroom, right? A lot of these guys are, you know, 10, 20, 30 years into the industry, whether it be power sports or RV. And that's great that we have that longevity in our space, but they're still thinking of it as pre-website necessity, right? They're looking at it as my dealership's the most important, my showroom and they'll spend hours and hours on rearranging, moving bikes from that side of the showroom to that showroom. And they'll spend an hour every day, you know, wiping everything down. So it's a, just a, a beautiful sea of candy and chrome. When you look out across the showroom, there's only one problem with that is that there's no customer standing in it, right? Uh, I can guarantee you that as you're looking at a customer, uh, customer-less showroom and you got all this beautiful, shiny product, but your website sucks, um, there are customers in your online showroom. And so it, it again, it just takes putting inventory on there, pricing pictures, descriptions. You've got your financing offers. If you if they change, great. Let's put a, a post on a page about that and link to it, right? Um, mobile friendly. I, I ran analytics for 40 plus websites for the last almost 10 years for the RideNow group. And I can tell you uh, without a doubt, mobile 
is where 70% of all of our searches came from. And that's, a, that's I'm not telling you any secrets. That's just how people have changed their position to when they want to look online, just because the iPhone and the Google phones and all the mobile phones out there provide such a great experience, right? So your website kind of has to be mobile first friendly. Um, but you know, the last point to this number one here is including a live chat. So nobody wants to fill out forms anymore. I'm sorry to tell you that. Um, it's been proven. Do you still get form fills and leads generated from a little get quote form or a learn more or a contact? Yes, you will still get that, but I, I guarantee you it's probably under some kind of protest by the customer filling it out just because that they've had a poor experience with some of that. So my point in saying that is live chat is a wonderful lead generator because it's giving the customer a, a, a immediate gratification, if you will, right? A little pop-up in the corner of your website comes up, says, how can I help you? Or what are you interested in today? Some kind of call to action to get them to click on that. And boom, they're off and running, right? Now, me personally, I have loved using a fully managed chat meaning that the chat company that I hire, uh, they run all of the chats with their own team. We give them a lot of different scripts um, or things to say if someone were to ask a certain question, we would have a, a, a pretty involved response to that. But they're real people. They're not bots. Um, as opposed to a self-managed chat where you have to be at the dealership, sitting at a desk. Some do a mobile app, but really the best way to use it is at your desk, at a, at a keyboard, right? Um, but it's it's time, you know, it's a time suck, man. Uh, some of these customers just want to mess with you a little bit or, or ask questions without really giving any uh, details about themselves um, that you can call them later and follow up with them, right? Um, so having a fully managed chat, on your website 24 7 365 including holidays uh, is really the best way to go about that and they they've become relatively inexpensive uh if you think about them in terms of like an employee right we always used to say the the biggest liability is the two-legged one so if you can outsource some of those things by hiring a a, a reputable chat company and i have i have a couple referrals to that definitely hit me up for that but um, having a fully managed chat company to kind of field all of your inbound traffic and really sift through who the real people who want to talk to the dealership is, is a wonderful lead generator. Well, yeah, because who, you know, people want what they want when they want it, right? The moment I have the opportunity to do some homework on this new toy, whatever that is, of course, we're talking, you know, about these, these things that are not have to have, they're want to haves, right? But if, you know, if somebody works nights, and their best time is right before they go in or right when they get out or during, if they're sitting at a desk, if you're a fireman, you know, and you're working overnight and you're sitting there, name any sort of profession, but we hear that all the time, you know, like, oh, I got this lead. And I talk to the dealer and say, oh, I got this, this lead. Well, we could see it was timestamped when it came in. Yep. And they say, yeah, but a lot of these, these, you know, we don't, we don't have a real good response rate on it. Well, how do you mean? Well, because when we reach out to them, we don't, it's unlikely. I mean, they don't leave their phone up, right? And that becomes the hierarchy of which pieces of information are required to submit a lead or whatever, like all these different variables that can kill. That person. Oh, we, you know, well, he's a provider of leads. Maybe we only require email address. And then the dealer might say, well, yeah, but then none of them ever respond to me. Well, how quickly are you acting on it? Well, I don't know. Same day. I'm like, oh, geez. Okay. So let's reset 
the expectations here, just so you know, as if you were a consumer shopping mm-hmm. that same day or next business day, whatever the, the mindset is, I think that, I mean, if that wasn't 10 years ago, I don't know when it was, within a handful of minutes is like a long time right now. I don't know what the, you might have some numbers on that, but it's, it's almost instant, which is exactly what you're sort of pointing out is, you know, and uh, somebody to actually handle that, your, your staff at the store that's handling real life people in person, potentially Murphy's yep. Law, as you would get a, a message request at the same time, you've got a live person there. It's just Murphy's Law. And we all know how that plays out. Um, but the opportunity cost of, of having both of those occur in similar time window where you don't get back to the one online who was about to become the one in person. We all know that. Uh, but there are tools, like you had said, that will help with that. Um, I'll also touch on that. The number one, as you referenced it, includes number five within it because uh, it does. The, the, jo- the joke I used to make with, <laughs> with dealers was you build out your site. If you can imagine, you know, we all know this, the virtual showroom, uh, whatever you want to phrase it, there's, there's different things we, how we've discussed it. If you have, I would say to a dealer, well, like, oh, I do factory photos. They do a good job. It's professionally shot. I'm never going to do something as nice as that. I think, yeah, but no, there's, there's value. There's content to be sort of sucked into someone's eyes and brain that they want that'll help them stay in funnel with you on your website. And they'd say, well, how mm-hmm. so? And I'm like, well, you wouldn't put a bunch of cardboard cutouts of motorcycles on your showroom floor, would you? Well, of course not. I'm like, well, why point. would you have the sort of the, the version of a cardboard cutout on your website? It's to me, it's the same idea, just thinking of it differently. And as you'd mentioned, that's really more important. Ultimately, the rubber has to meet the road. They have to come in. But if you're not doing a good job with your website, uh, and I could go on and on about websites, but uh, definitely solid, solid. And, and being on number one position, you're right. Really, this is all to get a engagement from a customer. Uh, you know, I call them hand raisers, but that's you know a chat, a text, a phone call, a lead form. Right. And what do you do with it then? And what's the response time and how, how, what should you say? Templated, off the cuff, whatever. Right. Well, it's funny because, you know, these, these conversation points, you obviously express some passion about these, these things. And, and, uh, for me, these, all of these pieces are like, I felt like this is the sort of reason that the podcast, I even started wanting to do a podcast. A lot of the same conversations over and over. And I think the people who sit in the physical dealership, Right, they they're thinking physical because that's really where they're at. They're literally in the dealership physically. Yep. And obvious, the secondary is is the online. Even if they stay in it, and it's important. So, uh, yeah, you know, I, I know to find you. Obviously, I would text you or call you, but um, uh, LinkedIn is where I would go and find you. Got lots of content you've been posting out there over the last you know couple of months. But um, what's the best way for somebody to uh, find you, connect with you, see what you're? What you got yeah, going? obviously on LinkedIn. You know, it's a good um, you know business, social media, you know, LinkedIn's kind of a, a, a thing for business professionals looking to connect and network, right? So that's kind of what I've been doing lately is providing a ton of uh, just of my experience or best practices that I've done uh, over the last, you know, 10 to 12 years in working with Ride Now, inventory, sales processes, um, how to connect cert- certain, bu- you know, business uh, pro- you know, projects or techniques or uh, technology together so that you get the highest efficiency out of your people or out of your business. But it's all got to do with digital sales, right? Um, how the customers find you, 
how they convert on something that you're putting out there, and then ultimately how you're handling that lead. That's how I would break it down in those three main things, right? But hit me up on LinkedIn. I've also got a website out there. Um, so we're providing free coaching. Uh, and this is basically essentially a one-on-one. It's called internetsalescoaching.com. Uh, it's a brand new website that I've got a ton of this material broken out into kind of a, a tiered training session that starts with the basics. Like, you know, how does someone handle an inbound call, right? Everybody thinks they're great at it until they're actually on the phone with a live customer and they're getting grilled with questions about one of your bikes or one of your vehicles for sale, right? Um, how to send a proper email, how to maybe set up some workflows in your CRM so that it makes your life a little easier and you can do more with less, right? So that's my website there, LinkedIn. Um, maybe we'll post my email in the comments section of the podcast there, Brian. I don't know how you do that. Yep. Yep. In the little bit, they call it the show notes, I guess. I don't know. I don't, I don't really call it that, but that's what everybody else thinks to call it. We'll put it there. Okay, cool. So, yeah. So, uh, I really appreciate you having me on and, um, yeah, I'm glad we got to talk about a lot of these things. I'm looking forward to the second round. Uh, excuse yep. me. I'm a little nervous here for, uh, for my very no, first podcast awesome. ever. <laughs> well, your first, my first, my first one to having a face on screen. And I don't know that I'm built for that, but uh, I'm okay with giving it a try. And if this is what uh, what an audience is interested in, it's not hard. I'll, I'll gladly do it. Well, we'll see how the video component goes. We might get a, a few clicks out of it, but this this is marketing, exactly. right? You got to get yep. into all the channels as, po- as exactly. much as possible. Yeah. Practice what I preach, right? That's content, it. content. All right. So how do you cool, typically man. how do you typically end these things on the podcast? You just kind of say your goodbyes well, or Yeah, just I end up, you know, doing that, asking uh, where they connect with you. And then uh, I mean sometimes sometimes I'd say, you know, at this point, if you wanted to share anybody that uh, that's helped you, uh, I, I always think of it in terms of like do you have a mentor, mentee, somebody that's helped you in the years, if you want to give a shout out to anybody, or you know, something like that. I, I always think that that's nice because it reminds us. Um, you know, to to aspire to do that same sort of thing for other people. So, if you have anybody like that that you want to give a shout out to for for helping you at some point in your career, gosh, there's so many. You know, I'm just a, I'm just an average guy that uh, got a few things right and was in the right place at the right time. And uh, definitely the uh, the tax, uh, uh, you know, Mark Cam, uh, the upper management uh, of Mr. Coulter. Um, I had a good mentor in Mr. Bill Marks. He was, he was my old call center director. Um, and just so many people over the years from all of the sales guys that I've worked with, uh, BDC managers, internet sales managers, general managers. I mean, fortunately for me, I had the cream of the crop. I, I think so in terms of working with a bunch of people that were ultimately as driven to want to succeed in the motorcycle business as much as I was. So we all collaborated on a lot of things and, and we killed it. So that's what I'm here doing now and just trying to return it back to everybody else. Killer. That's awesome. Well, if, if you can, if you can state that and name a person or in your case, multiple people that have, that have been instrumental in making you learn and be successful and and go to the next level, then we're very lucky. So and on this podcast, I would say Brian Croft is, is that. <laughs> yeah, thanks. <laughs> cool, man. Well, thanks for jumping on. We're thankful to have you here. And we'll see you soon. Appreciate it. Thank you.